This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, December 22nd, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Educational freedom advanced significantly this year, making this year yet another year of school choice, with numerous states joining the ranks of those offering robust school choice to all kids. Cato adjunct scholar Jason Bedrick has assembled an educational freedom report card for states. On behalf of the Heritage Foundation, we discussed what he found. 2023 has been hailed perhaps by you, definitely by others, as a year of universal school choice of uh, states adopting, many states adopting very broad programs that apply to, in, in you know, like the case of West Virginia, hundreds of thousands of, of young people, although they adopted their program a couple of years ago, but very broad applicability to uh, uh, educational freedom uh, opportunities for young people. What do we know about sort of which states have done the most, which states have done the least, who are the biggest gainers and losers, uh, in terms of educational freedom, um, across the U S sure. Yeah. 2023, certainly a banner year, uh, biggest year that the education choice movement has ever had. Uh, which is something that I've said several years in a row now, and, and I've been correct every year uh, that, that that is the case. Uh, it, we, we just keep breaking records. Uh, just to give you a sense, um, three years ago, there was not a single state that had a universal education choice program. Uh, and two years ago, West Virginia was the first one with uh, their HOPE scholarship, uh, followed last year by Arizona, which expanded uh, the education savings account program it had had for a decade, uh, expanded eligibility to all students. This year, uh, we got up to nine states with universal eligibility or that are on their path to universal eligibility that are phasing it in over a few years. Um, and then one state that came pretty close, which is Indiana, uh, which, which is income limited, but about 95 to 97% of kids in the state are actually eligible. Uh, but yeah, there's a, just a ton of progress this year. And so that's been reflected on the Heritage Foundation's Education Freedom Report Card, uh, which is the second year that we've done this. Uh, we're looking at four different components. One of them, obviously, education choice. That is at the core of education freedom is the ability to choose the learning environment that aligns with your values and works best for your children. Uh, secondly, transparency. Uh, your choice is really only meaningful if you have information about the options that are available to you. Uh, and then uh, third is teacher freedom. Uh, we want to make it, you know, parents should have the freedom to choose the schools that work for them. Teachers should be free to teach children the way that they believe uh, they, they should be taught. And so we're looking, uh, you know, what sort of barriers there are to entering the teaching profession, what sort of, um, you know, state test mandates are in place, especially Common Core, you know, are, is, when uh, teachers are essentially forced to teach to the test, uh, that's limiting their freedom. Uh, and also return on investment. So, uh, and this is an area where our report card is very different from other types of uh, report cards because a lot of them will reward states for more spending. Uh, 
Uh, but if you have two states that have the same level of performance and one state is spending twice as much to get that level of performance, that state should not be rewarded. The state that was more efficient should be rewarded. Uh, so our return on investment measure looks at uh, scores in the uh, National Assessment of Education Progress, known as the nation's report card, and compares that against uh, uh, adjusted state spending. So uh, several states adopting universal or near universal uh, choice programs. Um, and we have seen just in the last year or so, a couple of states got rid of some school choice programs. That's right. So we had some states that really moved up and some states that moved down. Uh, you know, so the top states for education freedom overall would be Florida, Arizona, Utah, uh, and Arkansas. Uh, and, uh, you know, in terms of education choice, it's, it's actually uh, pretty close to the same. So Arizona, again, takes the top spot. Florida, top overall. Arizona, top for education choice, followed by Florida. And then Indiana, Iowa, and Oklahoma, uh, both uh, Indiana, sorry, Iowa and Oklahoma adopted universal choice programs this year. Iowa actually was the biggest gainer uh, overall, um, moving up uh, from number 22 last year to number nine this year, breaking into the top 10. Uh, so really impressive uh, gains there from from Iowa and on, on its, and that's overall on its, uh, education choice measure, it's now number four in the country. So really tremendous gains. Uh, but yeah, there were a couple of States that, uh, dropped, uh, significantly. Um, Illinois was the first state to have a school choice program that was actually, uh, functioning go away. Uh, now, it wasn't repealed or struck down. Uh, it, the, the issue is that when it was initially enacted, it had a sunset provision so that it would automatically go away after five years. Uh, they did extend it once, but uh, the legislature failed this year to extend it again. Uh, and so they dropped 13 spots all the way down to number 34 for education choice. Uh, and then the the worst drop uh, is is from your home state of Kentucky, uh, which had a, a really fantastic uh, tax credit funded education savings account program uh, that would have allowed um, thousands, uh, maybe even tens of thousands of children to uh, have access to a wide variety of education options, really the, with an ESA families have the freedom and flexibility to customize their child's education. Uh, unfortunately, due to a, a really, frankly, bizarre court decision, uh, it was struck down. And so Kentucky dropped 35 spots for education choice, all the way down to number 43 in the nation. That's pretty stunning. Um, what is What does 2024 look like uh, for uh educational freedom. A lot of these programs are just now getting set up. Uh, one of the big impediments to uh, uptake by parents is knowing that those programs even exist. Um, what does 2024 look like with, with a lot of these programs just getting spun up? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the focus is going to be on implementation as these programs start to come online, especially a lot of them are more complicated than a traditional voucher program where you're just uh, basically handing parents a coupon and they're going to go and redeem that coupon at a private school uh, with an education savings account, which is what most of the states this year adopted. 
parents can be spending those funds on private school tuition, but they don't have to. They could also spend it on tutors, textbooks, homeschool curricula, online learning, special needs therapy. Uh, and in, in most of the states, they can roll over unused funds from year to year to save for future expenses. Uh, so a lot of the states are using um, private third-party vendors that are managing the accounts, uh, organizations like uh, Class Wallet or Odyssey, uh, that, uh, you know, some cases they'll have a debit card. In some cases, there's an online platform uh, and they can, or in other cases, they pay out of pocket and they can uh, submit for reimbursement. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of focus, I think, on implementation. And there's also been a number of lawsuits uh, in South Carolina, for example. Uh, New Hampshire just had a lawsuit that uh, was dismissed uh, that was against their uh, education freedom account program. Uh, even in, in uh, Wisconsin, which has had uh, school choice since the early 1990s, uh, with a change in the court, opponents of school choice, I think, saw an opportunity and decided to file a lawsuit. So um, there is more litigation. Uh, most of these, these are not the, your, your classic Blaine Amendment cases, thanks to the U.S. Supreme Court decisions in Espinosa v. Montana and Carson v. Macon out of the state of Maine. Uh, the Blaine Amendment is, is essentially dead, but uh, they're finding new and creative ways to challenge these programs. So I think implementation is number one, uh, litigation is number two, and then a uh, third thing to look for is I, I do think that we're going to see more progress. Uh, right now, Tennessee, uh, the governor of Tennessee just announced that uh, he has a plan to expand their ESA to universal. Uh, we're seeing moves in Mississippi. We're seeing moves uh, in Wyoming and in Idaho. So uh, there are a lot of states left uh, that are looking around the country and saying, wow, there's a lot of states that have made tremendous progress and we should be making more progress here. Jason Bedrick is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please. And thank you for listening.